This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. It's the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the CEO and founder of Sales Fuel. Well, we've got Meg Mankey, the COO of Rose Group International with us today, Lee. I've been really looking forward to speaking with her. Had the opportunity to speak with, with Meg in New York City at the C-Suite Network Conference. Uh, Meg, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Meg is the, also the co-author of IX Leadership. I'm going to explain what that stands for in a moment. IX Leadership, create high-five cultures, high-five, and guide transformation. And what you say, Meg, is corporate success is really hampered by the failure to create an IX, an internal experience that keeps your best people around. Seems like a simple concept, not, not so easy in execution, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, not so easy in execution. Uh, keeps us in business, actually. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice thought and theory. And uh, it's, it's a little bit harder to carry out, though, in the, in the daily grind. What do you suppose that is? I mean, who's the, who's the, who is the key detriment? You know, if you did point your finger at a, at a place on the org chart where you say, okay, that person is the one that's keeping us from having the IX that we need to be successful in this company, who would that be? Oh, gosh. You know what? I think it depends um, sort of based on the business. It, it seems like every organization we go into is a little bit different. Um, and, and even though the issue can be the same, it's usually, gosh, we just, our turnover is too high or we can't retain good help. Um, the, the real root cause can be different um, a lot of times. I think that really, though, the responsibility of making sure that that IX exists, that healthy IX exists, falls on the, the on the shoulders of leadership. It's it's really their job at the end of the day. I mean, shoot, that actually is their job. You know, everybody mm-hmm. else is accounting for things or, uh, you know, selling things or making sure things operate. Um, leadership's job is to lead. You talk about different culture types, the independents, the stabilizers, the organizers, and then it it all sits on an axis. Can you detail that out for us? I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, so we created a system um, to help organizations really assess their uh, culture types within within their different departments and within their dynamics. So the the way we created the system is not so much to analyze somebody's personality, but rather what their work preferences are. So do they really like to um, kind of address things with a team first? They like to collaborate first? Or do they prefer to sit sort of in their own quiet space and look at something and think about it before they talk to the team? And then the other axis is um, order to chaos, or those of us who love chaos, Mm -hmm. that would be me. Uh, We call that freedom. We call it getting stuff done. (laughs) Yeah, we like to get stuff done. And these poor people who are organizing and stabilizing everything for us are left picking stuff up behind us. It's Um, really like, because Lee is chaotic and I'm very orderly. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly what happens every day. I'm chasing him around. (laughs) 
Those stabilizers <laughs> are the uh, sandbags to our hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so true. We we do we say our stabilizers are the foundation of the building. You know, if we didn't have them, we wouldn't have anything to stand on. This the is true. Out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, those are the four different culture types. Fixers and independents prefer chaos. Uh, stabilizers and organizers prefer order. And then those fixers and stabilizers are the team folks and the independents and the organizers are a little bit more self-driven. So on this model, are you evaluating or analyzing then each team member or just the leadership? Um, each team member, when we uh, go into an organization, work with them, we really prefer to get a, a real 30,000 foot, to use a hot air balloon term, mm -hmm. uh, to get you know, like a 30,000 foot view of what's going on in the organization. Um, a lot of times we find a couple of really fascinating things. Um, some industries uh, are actually structured more with specific culture types. Manufacturing, for example, has a lot of stabilizers because, mm -hmm. you know, you can all... Um, picture the Lucy Ball, Lucille Ball, uh, mm -hmm. I Love Lucy show where they're doing the chocolate thing. Right, on the so conveyor belt. Every yeah. Every day, that's what they do. Um, and so by industry, we can actually sort of determine what people are like in an organization. And then even by department. So people in an accounting department are a little mm -hmm. bit differently geared than people in a sales department. Mm -hmm. And so we, we really say it's best to culture type everyone in the organization. Interesting. You talk about clarity and accountability. How do you make that happen on a regular basis? Yeah, uh, clarity and accountability. Well, um, in the book, we talk about the Mad Hatter principle, and that's kind of our first, uh, first rule of thumb that we talk about with all groups. Mad Hatters uh, in the 19th century were called Mad Hatters because they used a mercuric acid solution to cure the, the um, furs to make hats. Well, it made them a little nutty. They inhaled a lot of that. And so they'd go home to their friends and family and act strange. So we say, if someone's acting strange around you, don't assume that they're being nefarious or that they don't like you or they have some, you know, they're gunning for you. Um, chances are they just have something else going on. So give people a little bit of grace, um, allow for some empathy, but then you have to pair that empathy with accountability. And on the accountability side, it's about having transparent conversations and making sure that you're not. Um, really allowing as a leader, not allowing any of those what we call unspoken conversations, the eye rolls, the what the heck hand gestures, the, you know, secret conversations that aren't so secret in the hallway. The meeting after the meeting. The meeting after the meeting where pesky, I just wrote an article about this, where pesky George just, you know, unfortunately couldn't attend. <laughs> His calendar was full at that time. So yeah, that's how you maintain clarity. You just be clear, be transparent. And, you know, it's funny because people, when I say just be that way, people say, oh, yeah, that's so easy. Well, this is why Rachel and I are doing what we're doing, because our goal is to make it easy. We, we as human beings have made it hard. As business people, we've made it hard. It isn't hard. It's easy to make it easy. You just have to do it. So when you have this information, whether it be through your model, whether it be something like, like through DISC and motivators, that sort of thing, you have a lot of great information where, where you know how to better communicate with each individual person in a way where you can be impactful or we like to say you can be heard. So, but that requires the, the, the leader or the manager in this particular case then to be a, uh, adaptive. Uh, to be able to change way, the, 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 uh, the way in which they share information or they correct somebody or praise somebody. 
what advice do you have for managers and leaders then on becoming more adaptive? Well, I would say, well, first what I would tell any manager is culture type your whole department or organization or at least your team right around you and figure out how they hear information. Um, you know, people who prefer order, they hear the details. And if you don't say the details, they hear that. And that's a lack of information, lack of clarity, and then they're out of the game. Um, if you've got a fixer and independent you're working with, then uh, they're not so fussed about the details, but you better give them a project to be working on because they need to be busy. So any manager, I would say, you know, we, we've got a, a culture type assessment out on our website. You can go take it. Um, doesn't cost anything. Have everybody on your team take it. And then, and then start learning, get the book, and then start learning more about those types and how you can communicate to them, uh, to those people individually. Um, I was going to say the website, since you referenced it, Rose Group, INTL for international.com and IXleadership.com, everybody. And you could quite literally, I mean, assigning out the same project or, or briefing everybody on the same project could literally write four different emails then, depending on, on, on who you're talking to. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it's kind of funny because um, when we talk about culture types, some people are like, holy smokes, that seems overwhelming. But we intentionally um, created the system to be simple and we created it around work preferences. So it's not about personality. It's not about your ethnic background. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about four you know, very simple uh, preferences when it comes to a work environment. So you can capture all of the different people in your organization with four different approaches. Um, and so it, it's really not too hard. And once you get really good at it um, and start using the system and the, the thinking and the language, everybody actually gets along so much better and is more productive that it makes your life easier. How about sales? Could I actually uh, uh, use this then by asking two or three key questions of a prospect and, and try to figure out which type they are then and, and then then adapt uh, my sales pitch accordingly to somebody like that? Oh, what a great question. And the answer is yes. We've actually talked to um, uh, insurance agency networks. We've talked to marketing agency networks and also real estate agents. Because, um, you know, people, some people really seem like they're dragging their feet and some people want to buy something yesterday. And so uh, if you know what their preferences are. Maybe they want the whole rap sheet on the property and maybe they just want you to tell them what the bottom line price is. How does the system, uh, other than the, some, some of the more standard ways, measure the level of engagement going up per team member? Uh, we, do it, we do it usually by um, measuring um, what, the, what the people in the organization feel is engagement and success. So we start out with a self-assessment, you know, how, how, how happy are you assessment, if you will. Um, and then we do it about midway through and then do it again at the end. Because, you know, the, and that's the tricky thing about the business we're in. There, there is no, um, we can measure productivity, um, but the argument, of course, is that there is not a direct correlation or a measurable correlation between happy people and uh, good production. Of course, yeah, that's why those I of us who are super smart know that that's true. <laughs> I but, love it. So, How about yeah. motivation? I mean, it's like, I, I kind of feel like it's, it's inherent upon a manager or leader then to actually try to learn as much as you can about each individual employee to be able to motivate them. Some people don't always share that opinion, so I'm kind of wondering which camp you're in. You know, I think, 
I'm a big fan by just knowing your people uh, or of knowing of knowing your people. Um, walk around by management is kind of the mm-hmm. or management by walking around or walking the floor is what we call it. And I think it's really important just to stop in and say hi to people. Not, you know, hi, Audrey, when are you going to have that done? But hi, Audrey, how's your cat? Or I heard your kid had a cold mm-hmm. or how was your vacation to Hawaii? And make make it a little bit personal. Business is personal. Mm-hmm. We, we spend more time with these people than we do our own actual families. So make them feel welcome. That's, that's my rule. And I think that's the best way to motivate people. People are way, uh, way more likely to be engaged and unify around something and be productive if they feel like somebody gives a crap about what they're doing. <laughs> For sure. I have, this is kind of a weird question. As usual, it's coming from me, not Lee. Um, I'm not saying a word. <laughs> I, I'm curious, don't name names, but are there certain industries that struggle with engagement more than others? That's a good question. Companies actually. that make widgets and have like, you know, repetitive type jobs have a harder time with this than a company that requires a lot of intellectual power. What are you seeing over the years? I'm just kind of curious. Well, what we see is that the struggle is different. Um, And so for people who are industries that um, attract more on the self-driven side, so independents and organizers, they have a a more um, identifiable, oh, nobody's talking in this organization because they actually don't prefer to talk. Um, Now on the, but, but on the other side of the house, you know, you've got your fixers and stabilizers. They love being in teams, but um, it might be that everybody's hand waving and whiteboarding and having big ideas. Um, but there aren't as many people to action those ideas mm-hmm. out. And so, so it's really what I, I guess what I see is that there's just, there are different challenges in each industry that's driven um, more by a certain culture type. It's not so much that any of them get on better than the others. It's, it's, and, and really, if you have a, a healthy sort of combination of all four types is the best. If you have some leaders, if you have a leader that really knows how to manage it well. What's the most common problem that you see companies have with culture? You know, I, I would say it, another way I've been asked this question in, and I have probably to preface, a better way because <laughs> my answer is weird. So I kind of get some strange eyeballs. Um, I've asked, you know, what motivates people, you know, or how does the, how does a company really manage culture? And my answer always has been, for many years, accountability. If you, people are tribal. We like to feel like we're cared about. We like to be challenged and, and feel like we can be successful. Um, and we like to feel like people have our back. And the way to really do that is to have an environment of accountability. Now, that has to be paired with empathy. Again, that, this is all in the book. Um, but it, it has to be paired with empathy. So you can't just walk around, you know, being a dictator and saying, so, so you fast. go do this, no you go do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's really the thing. People like to feel like they know what they're responsible for. They know what success looks like. And frankly, and unfortunately, but it's true, they want to know what Susie over there is responsible for and what success looks like for her too. So that's, that's, I think, what actually motivates and engages people the most. And these days they also want to know why. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How come I didn't get that? Or how come, or when am I going to get that? Why are we doing this? And when, what is my role? And and it's like, yeah. Why is it important to the company for us to be doing this? I listened to a 
previous interview with you and I thought that it was interesting what the host says. Is this the definition of what you consider to be the highest level engagement? I like what he said and he said it's getting people to work for not just for your company but for your company's vision. We know the why, we know where we're going, we have the broad context. Um, that is that what the ultimate is under your system? Yes, absolutely. So the um the analogy I use is usually a sports team. Think about your favorite sports team could be ho- hockey, football, netball. That's a new sport that Rachel and I learned about in this last couple oh, of years. Cool. Um, and every, you know, those fans are crazed. They're wild in the stands. They're waving around the, the big, the number, the whatever, styrofoam hand. Um, and they're crying. Or number two. Yeah. <laughs> you never see the number two hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. They're crying sad tears when you lose and they're crying happy tears when you win. And that, if you can create, if you can emulate that in your own culture and an organization, imagine how exciting it would be every day if everybody felt like, we're winning, we're winning, or we're losing, we're losing, we have to do something different. Um, and making sure that everybody feels like they have a part to play. Uh, that, that is, that's the ultimate. And if you take care of that, and that's the whole concept behind IX. If you take care of that, you don't have to worry about the rest of it. You don't have to worry if you're meeting your production numbers, now save some sort of catastrophic environmental event or God knows what, but you don't have to worry about those things. Would another way to phrase it be then uh, our mission as managers and leaders then is to get our people to work for a purpose, not just a paycheck? Yes, absolutely. I think that's a great way to sum it up. I'm going to steal that actually. Go right ahead. <laughs> just as long as you attribute it to me, that'd be great. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and the sports analogy, I love it. And you haven't seen Lee at a Columbus Blue Jackets game, but he, that's exa- he's insane. It doesn't matter what's happening on the ice. He's just out of his mind. <laughs> it's a beautiful that's thing where, to see. That's, that's where I go to release all the tension of the day. I'll go yell at some hockey players and most importantly, yell at the referees. You do yell at the <laughs> I just want to dive under the chair when he takes me. But um, everybody can get the book on Amazon.com, IXLeadership.com, and Rose Group International, but it's INTL.com. And Meg, how do you like people to reach out to you if any of our listeners would like to engage? Yeah, I think the best way, um, our contact information is on our website, the Rose Group, INTL.com website. Um, Our numbers are on there and our email addresses. Email is probably the quickest way. Meg, I had one last question for you. It's like, how did you meet up with your partner in crime, Rachel? Yeah, we, um, we just kind of were swimming in the same circles um, in our community, uh, a lot of women in leadership, networking events and other leadership events, and started to sort of uh, commiserate about what's wrong with business today. And, got, and we thought, gosh, there's a, there's a pretty recognizable issue here. And I bet you we're pretty smart. We could probably fix it. And so we just set to it. and. That's what we're doing now. I love it. Well, we're so glad that we got a small piece of your time, Meg, today. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was great. All right. Thanks for having us, Meg. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.